All right, let's pray, and then we will get started this morning with our study. Apologize for my voice. I got a little bit of congestion, so hopefully it uh, doesn't sound too terrible. But All right, let's pray, and then we'll dive in this morning. Father, we thank you for today, and we just pray you bless our time together in your word. Um, give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Help us to grow in our appreciation of your creative acts and who you are, and just uh, may you stir our hearts to worship you. Uh, to look at your creation, to look at the variety that you've created, and uh, just to see uh, your incredible mind to uh, come up with these things like animal life, uh, just from nothing. And so, God, we just thank you for it. We pray that you bless our time as we look to that. We pray for the classes downstairs, uh, the kids and the youth, that you'd bless that. And we pray uh, for uh, our ministries tonight, Kids Club and Youth Group. That you'd bless those as well. So God, we lift the whole day to you. We thank you for all the blessings that you give to us each and every day. May we not take them for granted. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're on to Genesis chapter 1, verse 20 to 25. So I'm hopeful that uh, next week we'll finish up chapter 1 and get into chapter 2. So uh, as you may see, if you look at the text, we're going to cover uh, day 5. And part of day six, okay? So all this is going to uh, encapsulate the creation of animal life, okay? So we'll talk ab- about that today. We've talked before uh, how last week days one through three correspond with days four through six. So in days one through three, God is creating uh, the domain. He's forming that shapeless, as we saw in verse two, shapeless earth. He's forming it, Verses one through, or, uh, days one through three. And then days four through six, he's filling those domains. And so last week we talked about how in day one, God created light and darkness. Day four, which corresponds to that, he creates the sun, moon, and stars, which are now the vessels through which that light comes. So when we come to day five, it corresponds with day two. What was created on day two? You remember? You can look at the text if you don't. What was created on day two? What was separated would be the better way to maybe say it. The waters, the waters from below, the waters up above. So creation of the seas, the lakes, whatever it looked like in that day, and the separation of waters and the the expanse, okay? So the skies. And so when we come to day five, we're going to see God filling both the seas, the lakes, and the skies with animal life, okay? So let's read verses 20 uh, through twenty. We'll go ahead and read verses 20 to 25, and then we will look at uh, day 5 and then move on to day 6, okay? Picking up in verse 20. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Okay, so we'll stop there partway through day six. Of course, the rest of day six is the creation of man, so we'll touch on that next week. But 
Here we find a couple more firsts. Genesis is a book of firsts. And here we first of all see the very first mention of life. Okay, now God created the plants prior to this, right, on day three when he creates the earth. Um, And plants are living in the sense that they can reproduce and things like that. But biblically, they don't have life in the same way that animals or us as humans have. And so here's the first mention of the, the word life or living. You see living creatures. It's the Hebrew word nefesh. And so this is significant. God has formed the earth. Now he's filling it. He's inhabiting it with living creatures. Okay. So um, we see this idea. It, it, it could also, this word nefesh could have the idea of a soul. Okay. It's used elsewhere in scripture to refer to the soul. So in an essence, animals have a soul in the sense that they have conscious life. Right. They, they're conscious of their surroundings they have instincts things like that whereas plant life is not conscious life so it could speak to this idea of conscious life or this idea of a soul now we don't know through scripture uh you know people ask this question maybe your wheels are spinning you know if animals have souls do they go to heaven do they go to hell do they have an are they eternal souls well this is outside the scope of what we see here in genesis okay so it's hard for us to say dogmatically all dogs go to heaven, right, or something like that. We can't really look at that from Scripture. Some of us take comfort in that idea of our pets that have died being there with us in heaven. Um, I'll say this, and again, nothing biblical that we can make a case for either way too dogmatically, but uh, I remember I had a professor that touched on this, and he said, you know, when we think about heaven, we think about our eternal destination if we're in Christ, we're not going to be lacking of anything, right? There's no, we're not going to get there and be like, oh, man, my, my dog's not here, my pet, okay? So whether or not that means that they're there or it means that we won't really be lacking if they're not there, the idea is that we're not going to be lacking anything in our eternal state, okay? So we see this idea of conscious life, and the first mention of conscious life being created is God uh, causing the waters to swarm, just means to you know, bring forth abundantly, as some translations say, not as though the water itself is creating life, but it's more that this idea of that they're beaming, they're swarming with living creatures, okay? He speaks into existence, and all of a sudden, there's all this uh, life in the waters, okay? So God says, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures, let birds fly above the earth, across the expanse of the heavens, and then verse 21, so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds. And we'll stop there. So who has a different translation of verse 21? Uh, mine, the, the ESV, God created the great sea creatures. Anybody have a different translation and how that translates that idea, the great something else? Anybody? Are they sea creatures in every... Every other version, okay. There's a couple of different. Your set, the King James, yep, says great whales, yep. Um, the, I think it's the NIV. I had it somewhere here. I think it's, there's another translation, um, and I can't think of what it is. I thought I had it right here in my notes, but the, the he, oh, it's uh, the NASB. Does anybody have the NASB? It's, um, translated as sea monsters okay so sea creatures sea monsters great whales in the king james are kind of the main ways that's translated 
The Hebrew word is tannin and is frequently translated other places in Scripture as dragon. Okay, so you can see why the NASB would say sea monsters. Okay, so translated as dragon. Um, so it seems to be a reference not to a great whale, uh, but some kind of great sea dragon, such as is mentioned a couple other places in Scripture. Okay, um, Psalm 104, verse 25 to 26 says, Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. Okay, so here we see a reference to Leviathan. Okay, and we see this in Job 41. In fact, I invite you to turn there. I want to look at this, Job 41. So this is not the same... I want to make it clear, this is not the same Hebrew word being translated as Leviathan here, but it could be what is being referenced in Genesis chapter 1 with the great sea dragon, sea monster, sea creatures, okay? So Job 41, I, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there's a couple things I want to point out. So let me read the first couple verses. And, and this is God responding to Job. Job is questioned why God's done what he's done. And here God and his sarcasm his holy sarcasm is asking job if you if you're so smart and you're the one that's the judge tell me answer these questions okay so he asked job can you draw out leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook he will make many pleas to you will he speak to you soft words will he make a covenant with you to take him for your servant forever Will you play with him as with a bird, or will you put him on a leash for your girls? Will traders bargain over him? Will they divide him up among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hands on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. Behold, the hope of man is false. He is laid low even at the sight of him. No one is so fierce that he dares to stir him up. Who then is he who can stand before me? Who has given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. I will not keep silence concerning his limbs or his mighty strength or his goodly frame. Who can strip off his outer garment? Who would come near, with, near him with a bridle? Who can open the doors of his face around his teeth as terror? His back is made of rows of shields shut up closely as with a seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. His sneezings flash forth light, and his eyes are like eyelids of the dawn. Out of his mouth go flaming torches, sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils come forth smoke as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. So we'll stop there. Um, I wanted to read those passages because you see whatever animal, whatever creature God's referencing here is an incredible creature. And the whole point is God's saying, look. Think about this amazing creature. You wouldn't dare to try to kill it or try to fight it or you're not going to make it your pet. Uh, and so we see this description of this amazing creature. Um, some people will say, well, this is a crocodile, okay? Which in some ways you see like shields, rows of shields, can't really pierce uh, its skin, things like that. But I wanted to read verses 18 through 20 because we see here a reference of his sneezings flash forth light. Right? Out of his nostrils come forth smoke. Okay? What does this sound like? Sounds like a dragon, right? Um, and it's amazing. Now, some of you might 
think this is pretty crazy, but it's amazing that various cultures throughout history on their own have come up with legends, we could say, of dragons. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that dragons were in actual existence. We found dinosaurs, and there's no way for us to know, just looking at the bones of dinosaurs, whether or not they had the ability to produce fire or flames, right? There's, uh, you know, the animal, the bombardier beetle, has a chemical reaction that can produce fire, right? Is why it's named a bombardier beetle. So um, within a creature, if it had that organic makeup within its organs to be able to create fire, that would decompose and just leave us bones, right? There'd be no way to tell. So um, this could be possibly what is being referenced here in Genesis 1, that these dragons were actually more sea creatures that, you know, again, I'm not going to say that dogmatically, but just something to think about. Um, but it is interesting that this is the first specific mentioned creation of, of uh, life, is this great sea creature, the great sea creatures, okay? So just something to think about, okay? So we see, and hopefully reading Job, uh, it helps us to see just the amazing, you know, God's asking Job, would you try to do anything, you know, would you try to kill this animal or fight this animal or make it a pet? No, then, then how, who stands before me, right? I created that is the whole point. And so as we read that, it should leave us in awe of God as creator, that he would create, and we can think of even animals today and how amazing they are, that God has created these out of his own mind, okay? So we see God creating this great sea creature, okay? We also see God creating, it says, uh, the rest of verse 21, every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm, okay? So what are some animals that are, being created here? What are some animals that we find in the water? Fish? What else? And variety of fish, right? All kinds of tuna, uh, swordfish. We could name countless types of fish. What else? What about water-dwelling mammals? Dolphins, whales, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's some amazing things that God's created. I mean, that's what's crazy when you when you see people scuba dive or even when they go even deeper and see some of the things that we haven't discovered till lately and just the variety of cre- creatures and we're talking about different varieties of sharks, um sea turtles, Okay, so lobster, shrimp, things we like to eat out of the ocean as well. So all these, the ocean, probably freshwater exists at this point too, I would imagine. So there's freshwater fish and animals. Crocodiles probably would fit in this, even though they're reptiles that kind of migrate between land and water. They're probably included in this, alligators, things like that. Okay, so just think about the amazing amount of life we see in the ocean, in, in, in lakes and things like that, streams, okay? So it is interesting, as we walk through these animals, we've got to keep in mind that they're not classified in the same way that we scientifically classify animals today, okay? Um, We classify animals today, you know, mammals, reptiles, amphibians, things like that, but God's classifying them in the creation as to where they dwell, okay? So that's why I, I want to point that out. Sea creatures could include mammals like dolphins. It could include, you know, crustaceans like lobster 
uh, fish, different things like that, amphibians even. Okay? It's also mentioned here that God creates, and, and I think it's simultaneous, so it's not as though he creates the uh, sea life first and then the birds. It's kind of almost simultaneous. Um, so God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So he creates the flying creatures. So what, what does this encompass? What kind of creatures do we find in the sky? Give us the generic one, Courtney. Birds, okay. What else besides birds? Owls are a type of bird, but yeah, they're a little bit bigger, right? A little bigger. Eagles would fit in that category of birds, but can you think anything outside of a bird species that butterflies, probably winged insects, are probably included in this? Mosquitoes, oh, yeah. The fly, the house fly, yeah. So you got in, winged insects. What about bats? Bats are, I think, mammals, aren't they? Um, and so this would in, include bats and probably even pterodactyls, okay? Or there's another kind of flying dinosaur. <laughs> but pterodactyls are the most familiar. So um, all kinds of creatures that fill the skies are created here, okay? And again, there's a ton of variety within, just like fish species, there's so much variety, there's so much color. Same with birds. There's so much beauty, so much variety, so much color. Um, you know, people bird watch because they want to see the beauty of, of birds and things that are created, Okay. We also see, so we, we've seen the first mention of life or something that's living, nefesh, but we also see the very first blessing in Genesis and in all of Scripture, okay? Verse 22, God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. So here's the first mention of God blessing something, okay? So he blessed them, and what is, what is the blessing that God gives to these creatures, What's the blessing? Yeah, to be fruitful and to multiply, to reproduce, to create more and more birds after their kind, okay? More and more sea life after their kind, okay? And so that's the end, evening and morning, the fifth day, verse 23, that day concludes, and we move on to day five, okay? So let me read those couple verses in verse, uh, verse 24 and 25. So this is the beginning of day six. God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So here's the creation now corresponding with day three where God separates the land from the waters. Now he's, gonna, he's formed the dry land. Now he's going to um, use that dry land and create animal life upon it. Okay, so, so animals that are land-dwelling animals, okay? Uh, there's three categories mentioned, okay? What are, do, as we read that, are there some different versions of how those three, mine was livestock, creeping things, beasts. Do we have any difference in translation? Verse 24, let the earth bring forth uh, living creatures, livestock. What else do we see? Creeping things, beasts, huh? Yours says cattle. Okay, what is that, King James or, okay, so cattle was mentioned. What, what else is, any variation? So there's three categories. 
with which these land animals fit. Okay, livestock. What would livestock be? What are livestock? Cows, sheep, pigs, things you can domesticate, things that you have on a farm, right? We could sing Old MacDonald and cover the course of these animals, right? So these are things that are domesticated, that are useful for humans. Um, you know, really probably, I don't know if they would have, I wonder if they would have had cow milk prior to the flood or eaten eggs, things like that. I don't know. We're going to see that when we talk about the rest of day six that originally people were vegan or vegetarian, right? The, the plants were given for food, and then after the fall with death is when you see a change, okay? So, yeah, cows, sheep, pigs. Then there's creeping things, okay? This is animals that creep really low to the ground. So what might this encompass? Creeping things, things that creep low to the ground. Snakes, probably. Yeah, what else? What? Lizards, yep. Insects. Mice, moles, rats. It's things that you can't see their feet or you can barely see their feet, things that are low to the ground. So again... You have insects, you have reptiles, you have amphibians, you have mammals, different things that we, how we categorize them, but God categorizes them as those that creep low to the ground. Okay, so livestock, domesticated animals, creeping things, those things that are low to the ground. And then what, is, what do you think beasts, beasts refer to? Or beasts of the field? Wild animals, okay. That's a great description. That, I think these are animals that we wouldn't typically domesticate. Animals that are going to roam around, you know, what would, what would that include? What are some types of animals that we would consider wild animals, wild beasts? Wolves, bears, lions, tigers, bears, right? Um, rhinos, I guess elephants would probably fit within this. Um, all kinds of wild animals, zebras, you know, maybe horses. I don't know if horses would fit under uh, that category of domesticating. We don't know exactly where to draw the lines. It's just kind of thinking about um, where these animals might fit, okay? So there was a horse kind that zebras and mules and donkeys and all would be underneath, okay? So regardless of where we fit these different animals, we see God's created all of life, okay? Whether it's in the, the waters, whether it's in the sky, whether it's on dry land, all life is accredited to God creating it. Out of his creative mind, even just the concept of animals, um, you know, we're, we, we grow so accustomed to just, yeah, that's an animal, that's a tree, that's this or that. But these are all from the mind of our infinite creator, okay? So he creates the, this life. Uh, it is interesting to note that back in verse 20, or actually verse 21, uh, it says, so God created, that is the Hebrew word bara. Do you remember from verse 1 what that word bara means? It's the same as verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth. And I think this is only the second time it's used in Genesis. Remember, barah. It means created out of nothing. So it's interesting to note that when God references creating the great sea creatures, all the living creatures that move in the waters and the winged birds, it uses that word barah. But when you look at verse 24 and 25, uh, in verse 25, God made the beasts of the earth. This is a different word, uh, a saw, which means to make out of previous, previously created material. So, 
I don't know if we want to, how much we want to read into that. It could just be simply, when we talked about this with interpretation, it could just be a way of not wanting to reuse the same word. Or it could be the idea that uh, on day five, God first creates this idea of life, of conscious life. Okay, So when it talks about bara, that which was not previously created, it could be speaking to the fact that God's creating life. He's creating conscious life or that soul concept. Okay? So then when he goes to create the land animals, that has already been created. It's just he's making now the animals with that same substance of, of life, that, that concept of life. Okay, It could be, um, who knows, honestly. So just something to think about, something to point out as we think through that. Okay. All right. So last couple things I want to touch on. Um, it is, we, we talked about this with plants to a degree. But it's worth pointing out with animals as well is that each time they're created, it mentions, even with the sea life, um, it says that they were produced after their kind, okay? So let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures, let birds fly above the earth. God created the great sea creatures, living creatures that move, uh, which the water swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And then with living animals, again, we see the idea of according to their kinds, Okay? We talked about this with plant life as well, but we really want to touch on it with animal life. What is this idea of according to their kind or according to their kinds? What do you think this is referencing? Yes. Yeah, and, and the way we kind of, and it doesn't fit neatly into the way we categorize it today, but it's that category when we categorize the animal kingdom as family. Typically, um, not species, because you have different species within a family, but that idea of family um, is really what it's touching on. So we see God, when he originally creates these animals, they have a lot of variety built into their genetic code. Okay? A lot of, and even the humans, I think, had a lot of, I mean, we see the variety in humans with all kinds of different features, right? Um, and so all that genetic information was contained in Adam and Eve, and pass down, you know, as multiplication happens, okay? And so, not to get too far ahead, but, you know, it's possible Adam and Eve, who knows what the color of their skin was or what their facial features or different features were, but it's possible they could have had children of a variety of different skin colors, okay? Which, of course, then as uh, we see, we're going to get to this eventually with the Tower of Babel, but as those people groups assemble because of their language, that's where the genetic information kind of, I don't know, just uh, becomes singular in a sense, like so you don't have that much variety uh, as, as much as before. So with animals, we see a lot of variety in their genetic information, okay? But they're producing after their kind. So we know all the variety of dogs we have have an original ancestor, some kind of dog kind. Just like we said with horses, there's some kind of original, and all the variety we see was within the genetic code of that, okay? So as they're producing, there's not... Dog kind producing cat kind. It's dog kind producing dog kind with different varieties within them, okay? Same with cats and horses, whatever you want to do, okay? So think about cats. We've got all kind of variety. Bobcats, which are smaller. House cats, which are the smallest. Tigers, panthers, jaguars, lions, all kinds of different varieties. So all this is contained within the genetic information of that original uh, creature, but then as things happen, genetics passes down, 
they become a little more singular focused, okay? So this, and I bring that up because this really pushes back against evolution. What Darwin uh, observed when he went to the Galapagos Islands, you know, one of the things he observed were the finches, and he noticed how the finches had a variety of different beak sizes, okay? That's exactly what we would find with creation. There's going to be variety built in, just like we all have different nose sizes as human beings, right? And if your parents both had big noses, you probably have a big nose too, okay? Um, And so there's, of course, this variety built in, but what Darwin didn't observe and what can't be observed is we don't see finches becoming fishes, okay? Now, if he observed that, then evolution would make a lot more sense, okay? So, in essence, I think Scripture definitely does teach this idea of natural selection in a sense that, um, you know, as animals die out, maybe they have genetic qualities that cause them not to survive in an environment. And so, you know, there's an example of these moths some were dark and some were light, so there's variety in them. Well, during the Industrial Revolution, when there was soot all over England, which ones survived? The dark ones or the light ones? The dark ones, they blended in more, right? The white ones stood out, and so predators took them out. And so this was not a white one changing their genetic information to become a dark one to survive the environment. This was just the environment weeded out these that were easily seen, and these began to thrive, okay? So we see a lot of variety, and we see this idea of, we could call it microevolution to a degree, that there's a, a changes within a family, within a creature, okay? Genetic, the, 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 when I say changes, what I mean are genetic information's passed down, and there's variety built in. But we don't see this idea of macroevolution, where one species is becoming another species, where it's evolving New genetic information. Anytime there's reproduction that takes place, there's a loss of genetic information, not an addition of it. And even when mutations come in, mutations are almost 100% harmful rather than beneficial, okay? So just something to think about when we think about, and I'm not going to get too, too in detail with this, but there's all kinds of articles you could read on this from Answers in Genesis or other sources as well, okay? So God creates them with all this genetic variety, to produce, And so when we actually go back and think through, someone's done this, how many different families of life there are, because one of the critiques against creation, and we'll get to this with Noah's flood, was how could every kind of animal be on the ark? Well, if we actually count down how many kinds there are, it's between 1,000 and 1,400 different land-dwelling animals. Okay, of course, the, well, I think birds would be included in that, but the, uh, God didn't command for... Noah to go and collect all the fishes and dolphins and things like that. They survived in the waters. But, and, and when you think about the size of these animals, they could definitely fit within an ark. So we'll get to that when we get a little bit further, but just something to think about as we think about God's creation. Okay? And so this, um, this account wraps up in uh, halfway through verse 5, and we see it uh, prior to the creation of, of fish and birds and, and those kind of animals that God pronounces again, it is good. Okay, we see this throughout the Genesis account when God's creating, he's pronouncing a moral judgment. This is good, it's good, it's useful. Okay, and so when we think about animal life, we could definitely agree with God that animals are useful, but they're also, you know, you, 
I'm not a big pet guy, but some of you probably love have pets that you love and adore, and you know the companionship that those animals provide, and this is a blessing of God, and we see the variety of cre- creatures. Um, that's why we exhibit animals at aquariums and aviaries and zoos, right, because we want to show off these incredible creatures, but we've got to go further than just worshiping the creation, right, and I don't think we're doing that, hopefully, but we want to, when we look at the beauty of animal life, it should lead us to worship the creator of animal life, right? To, to worship God, okay? So, um, one other thing I didn't mention, when it mentions the great sea creatures, uh, and I've mentioned this throughout as we walk through, we have to understand the context of when Moses is writing this, and so a lot of this account is pushing back against the false views of the day. And so, uh, we know that people today worship animals and Pagan cultures worship specific animals, and so um, I think in one culture, they worship this great sea creature, this great sea monster, okay? And so that's maybe why Moses points that out first. So God created this great sea creature, right? It's not a god to be worshipped. God created it, uh, just like with everything else. The sun is not to be worshipped. It's a creation of God. So just another note as we wrap up. Any questions before we finish? I know we've kind of walked through a lot, but, and it's pretty straightforward, but there's a lot to think through. Any questions, though? All right, you're probably tired of hearing my voice uh, in the state it is, and I am as well. So let's pray, and, and we'll wrap it up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for uh, just your creation as a whole, but specifically as we think about the beauty of animal life and the variety within animal life. Um, God, help us to see that and direct our worship, to direct our focus to you as the creator of such. Um, So, God, we just thank you for um, sharing with us, challenging us through your word, uh, with your creation, laying it out for us to understand and comprehend, and help us just to marvel again at at who you are. God, we lift our service up to you here in just a few moments, that you bless everything that takes place. And uh, again, we lift the whole day to you and pray that you would help us to Uh, meditate upon your word and to worship you and um, just all the activities we have that you would bless those. We pray this in Jesus' name.